0: Listeners, and welcome to another episode of the 1970. On today's show, we talk about how 12 of Europe's major clubs have managed to piss pretty much everyone off at the same time. We'll also talk some PSG. We'll talk a little bit about their uh, qualification over Bayern Munich. Yes, that feels like six months ago. But yes, they did knock off the defending Champions League winners. Also, we'll talk about this morning's wild Game against St. Etienne, where PSG salvaged their league gun season pretty much on the last kick of the ball. And we'll do a little bit of a preview of PSG versus Manchester City in the Champions League semifinals. And with me to do all of this (laughs) is my co host. He is the editor of PSG Talk since 2015. His name is Ed. And Ed, are you ready for some Super League?
1: Let's do it. Super League me up. Um yeah, who would have thought PSG would be the the ones with the moral compass to save football while the rest of these fools out there all, you know, put their pen the paper and sign up for the Super League and piss off their fans and and everyone else but not PSG. Not at all. Not us. We we're saving football. So let let's yeah. uh we there's so many good topics. I wasn't even sure where we wanted to start, but let's just get into that Super League topic. Uh, huge news of the day.
0: Yeah, and this is all very complicated and there really aren't any heroes and villains in this. So let's, you know, let's get that clear. I don't necessarily think PSG are being particularly altruistic here. I think, I think PSG are very smart. I think they understand public relations. They understand, you know, the way the winds move and change. And I I think they were smart not to put their names to this because this seems like a flaming turd for the most part coming out of, uh, Coming out of here from these uh, twelve teams, and, and let, let's let's uh, let's let's kind of lay this out a little bit because there are a lot of layers to this. I think what this was was a trial balloon, and what I mean by a trial balloon is that I think they the clubs wanted to put this out through the media and see what the reaction would be, and I'm not sure they realized how negative the reaction was going to be. We have rebukes from all of the major uh, domestic leagues. You have rebukes from UEFA, obviously. Um, You have the leaders of foreign countries, leaders of France, uh, the government of the UK where this sort of idea has mainly taken hold, have, have... come down on this hard old former players like Gary Neville have come down hard on this um managers like Sir Alex Ferguson have come down hard on this I can't think of one major figure in the world of European football that has said yeah this is a good idea and that's kind of a shame and I'll I'll explain why I have always been a proponent of the Theoretical concept of a Super League. And the reason I am is because these owners of these clubs have a legitimate gripe with UEFA. There is a legitimate reason why they should want to break away and create their own version of the Champions League. And the reason is because right now UEFA essentially acts as the arbiter of the competition. They are the arbiter. It is their competition. So with that being said, that competition has been made over the years, not by the name of UEFA, but by the top clubs and by the top players. Manchester United, Chelsea, Real Madrid, Liverpool, Juventus, Barcelona, PSG. You know, people don't watch the UEFA Champions League because it has the name UEFA in front of it. They watch it because of the, the teams and the stars. And the way it is currently set up is the way it's always been set up, which is that UEFA generates the... rev. Well, UEFA doesn't really genu- generate the revenue. UEFA collects the revenue in that sense. And I, I, it's hard to sometimes... It's sometimes hard to put this into exactly the way I want to describe it, so I'm going to maybe stumble around a little bit. But the reason these clubs want to break away is actually fairly simple, because UEFA controls the revenue that the clubs generate from the competition. So if I'm Liverpool, I'm reliant on UEFA for pretty much all of the revenue that I get from being in the competition, even though if I'm Liverpool – I'm one of the teams that draws the ratings and draws the fans and draws the sponsorship money. And UEFA basically controls the pot. They control the money pot and they decide who gets what. And if you're one of the top clubs and you're the reason people watch the tournament, why would you want to leave UEFA with the power to control how much money you earn from that competition? These clubs want to make the money themselves. They want to distribute the money themselves. And it's not like this is such a weird foreign model. This is basically every American uh, sports league follows this model called the franchise model. You have a franchise, you have, let's, let's take the NFL, for example. The NFL has 32 teams, essentially 32 stakeholders. Any decision that's made is made collectively by the 32 owners, the 32 stakeholders in the league. And they hire something called a commissioner to basically run the day-to-day operations of the league. But at the end of the day, the owner of the NFL are the 32 teams. So imagine in American sports if there was something called the American Football Federation, which collected all the revenue that the NFL teams made, And then unilaterally decided how much those NFL teams were going to make based off of the revenue that's created. That's the situation that European football is in right now. And quite frankly, for the clubs, from a financial perspective, it's a crappy situation. Because if I'm Liverpool, I may not make, I don't know how much money I'm going to make from year to year based on how I do in the Champions League. Now, the argument that will be made in reciprocation is that that's the way football should be and i understand that argument but it's not a good business argument it's a you know health of the sport in terms of competition argument those are two separate things and these clubs are looking at it and going why should i have to rely on my team you know Going deep in the competition to make any real money off of this competition, off of the competition that is pretty much the center of what these clubs do every year. It's not the domestic cups and the domestic leagues anymore. The Champions League is the Golden Goose and the person that can, you know, the person that controls the Golden Goose controls who gets the eggs. And in this case, it's UEFA. And quite frankly, UEFA is corrupt. UEFA is a bureaucratic organization that, you know, is easily bought. They've been bribed in the past. There have been scandal after scandal with this with this organization. Not like UEFA is sort of clean in all of this. And the clubs have a legitimate reason to say we can do this on our own. We can build a better mousetrap. We can create something that is if as good if not better than the champions league and we don't have to rely on this mafia to dole out who gets paid and who doesn't that's the pros to this and that's why they're doing it the problem is they're doing it in maybe the worst possible way they could do it they're doing it in a way that's ultra exclusive only 12 clubs the idea being that you have 15 permanent clubs and then five clubs get invited every year. The reason that doesn't work is because you would need to have the buy-in of all of the major football federations in Europe. You'd have to have the buy-in of the FA, the, F, the LFP, the, the uh, Spanish, whatever the Spanish one's called, whatever the German one's called. You'd have to have buy-in, and very clearly they don't have buy-in from any of these people to do this. So essentially they're going all Leroy Jenkins and doing it on their own. Leroy so Jenkins they're doing it on their own with apparently the backing of JP Morgan, which is fine and dandy, but think about it. they have to do sponsorship agreements. they have to do TV rights. they have to do uh, they have to figure out how this will work with the players. They have to figure out what sort of pot that the players would get from this. how much money do the players seeking to benefit they also have to figure out who's gonna officiate the games that they're they're putting on because right now
1: mm, that's a good referees point are,
0: referees are sponsored are licensed by uefa again you see how this starts to look like a mafia right like the uefa <laughs> uefa has so much of an advantage in just sort of the mechanics of how football they've got works. their
1: their creepy tentacles in every aspect of the game it's it's awful. Yeah,
0: so think about it. They, they they get to pick who the refs are. So uh, the refs would have to break from UEFA and their leagues and basically be exclusive to this Super League. They couldn't do both. You couldn't have a ref reffing a UEFA game and then refing a Super League game. It wouldn't work. Also, we talk about it with the players. If this doesn't have the backing of UEFA and FIFA... FIFA's going, okay, you can join, you can be in this league, but then you don't get to play in the World Cup. And they're perfectly within their right to do that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's their competition. They make the rules. So what you would get is a lawsuit brought, brought by the players or brought by the teams. And at that point, does this thing just get stuck in legal limbo for a year or two, maybe even longer? If you don't, you can't do this Super League. Which, again, on its face is not a bad idea. It is actually a good idea if they did it right and they did it the proper way. But this seems like a haphazard. We need to make a statement, so we're going to threaten to do this Super League and may or may not go through with it. All while UEFA still holds most of the cards in this situation. So I'm really...
1: Hmm,
0: I'm really... Uh, And the fact of the matter is, if you were going to do this, you were going to need to do this pretty quickly and break pretty quickly. And it doesn't look like there's a way that these teams can cleanly do this, you know, in a year. It seems like this is a two to three year down the line proposition. And by that point, you know, they may lose the court battle. You know, teams may get cold feet. It may actually benefit them. We don't know. But to only go into this with 12 teams without sort of thinking about the potential blowback that you were going to get in the fact that now UEFA has been able to basically just, you know, point to these teams and basically just call them a bunch of greedy bastards and get the the fans of those teams to turn against their own team on this issue— and, and paint these people as just sort of greedy, you know, horrible people. And to get, you know, to get the backing of most of the countries to, to, to say this is a bad idea and all the old players. And I think you're going to start seeing players come out against this. I think you're going to see, old, you know, pundits. I think you're going to see a lot more pushback to this. And I think this is going to be one of those things where. They took a good idea and they completely botched it. They completely bottled it. And it's going to be harder for them to do this in the future when in reality, this should have been something that, you know, could have been sold in so much more of a coherent fashion. And it could have been, it could have been sold to people, but it just, it just wasn't. And I think they've lost the opportunity and this thing's just going to be looked at as a money grab and as a, as a power grab, and the fact is it shouldn't be looked at that way necessarily because the club should have more power over these these competitions. It shouldn't just be run by a singular bureaucratic entity in, you know, in Switzerland. And I, I, I tend to think they may even announce this at some point today. But I think it'll be something like, hey, down the line, we're going to do this and it's not going to be very immediate. And it might just be something that falls apart, you know, due to sort of the lack of inertia, due to some inertia. So, you know, I, I, don't, I think this was a, a big shock to people when it came out. But I think in, in actuality, this is going to be a whole load of nothing in the end. Hmm. Glad we we spent about 20 minutes talking about it. But yeah, I think this is going to be, I think this is going to end up being a big load of nothing.
1: A lot of good points made in there. Um, I disagree with a few of them. So I'll, I'll I'll dive into it. I don't know if this was done haphazardly and I don't know if there's ever a time where you could essentially blow up the traditional model of football, especially in, in England with the tiered system and everything else. And, I don't know if there's ever an easy way to blow that up. There's no, It's just not possible. And so they just, like you said, Leroy Jenkins, they just went for it. I don't know if this was a haphazard, unplanned thing. I don't even know if it was a trial balloon. You mentioned JPMorgan Chase. They're talking about financing. Um, it, I'm looking at ESPN FC said that um, a report they want to launch a $6 billion uh, Super League plan to start for the 2023-24 season. I think this is a real thing, and I think these clubs are going to do it. And I think what they're thinking is that there's a lot more money in it for them. They can customize it. And these teams outside of maybe Bayern Munich, Dortmund, and PSG, these are the teams in the Super League that people want to watch. UEFA, okay, you want to keep your Champions League. No one's going to watch that when all of the big clubs are in the Super League. FIFA, you want to ban players from participating in your tournaments? Okay. But all the best players really play for those teams. Are people really going to be, you know, really jacked up about the World Cup if, if you don't have some of these big names that play at these teams? Pogba, um, Mo Salah, you know, are they really going to watch? So I think this the, the clubs in the Super League, I think they kind of maybe have it the other way around where they have UEFA and FIFA by the balls per se and can say, we're going to do this. And you could either come along with the ride and make this easy, or you could be make it more difficult, and we can come right back at you and and really compete with you and put you out of business. And so I don't, I think this was very calculated, and I think it's going to happen. In terms of how it relates to PSG, they right now are not in the Super League; they've declined. I think you have to look at, you know, Nasser and be in sports and how they have the rights for the World Cup. I think they have a lot of. Um, incentives to keep things going the way that they are right now and so I think that's why but I could see maybe down the road maybe after the World Cup maybe they join Um, but they're they're a club that doesn't really need a big influx of money they always qualify for the Champions League they're kind of happy where they are right now they're in the semifinals which we'll talk about here in a minute so I think they're probably more inclined to keep things the way they are but I do want to just point out Back to my when we kicked this thing off and I was talking about how, you know, PSG are now the, the saviors of football. Maybe I was joking a little bit, okay. I really was joking. But let let's look at Liverpool, for example. You never walk alone. You know, Manchester United history. And now you're breaking away from the Premier League. The league that you say means so much. Oh my goodness, we win it. Oh, Farmers League, it doesn't matter how important winning the Premier League is. And now you all wanna leave? That is hypocrisy at its best. You're a joke. You want money just like every other club, just like what you accuse PSG of. You're a joke. I thought um, Gary Neville summed it up perfectly in his comments, if you could seek those out. But he called out these clubs about how history means nothing to them and they're all just about money. It turns out that every everyone who was accusing PSG of just being about money, they were really talking about their own clubs. So I just want to make sure we have that on the record, that... If you want to call PSG oil, whatever, your club is the same exact way. If you're a Liverpool, Manchester United, Arsenal, Tottenham, Barcelona, all you out there, all those other clubs, you're you're just like what you think PSG is, except PSG has said, no, we're gonna keep things the way it is. We like it so. The bandwagon is – the door to the bandwagon is always open. We're always taking more supporters. If you love traditional football, come to PSG. <laughs> if you, all right. <laughs> all right. Let's not get carried away there. Man. Maybe we'll get too carried away, but – Yeah,
0: let's not get, yeah, let's not, let's, yeah, let's not <laughs> jump that too much. But, okay. No, but here's the, here's yeah. the thing, though. Look at the, look at the people who own Liverpool, Manchester United, and Arsenal. What do they all have in common?
1: Are they – they're all American, right?
0: Yes. They're all American. They're all American arms.
1: They're the worst. They
0: they understand the American sports model, and that's exactly what they're going for. They are going for the American sports model, the franchise model, where there's guaranteed revenue, and they have control over the guaranteed revenue. That's what they know. They don't know this European model, where you gain money for how well you do in the competition, and that that you have basically no control over. How much that revenue is. It's a very foreign concept to them. We all know Florentino Perez has been greedy, he is a greedy kind of owner. You know, he wants to own everything. That's not a surprise. That's been the case for years now. And I just look at it and I go, this is obviously what a lot of these owners know. And they don't know, you know, these owners that come in from the United States who are used to a very different model are trying to impose that model on European football. And again, I don't necessarily think it's wrong because UEFA is a monster. UEFA is a horrible organization. FIFA is a horrible organization. These are not good people. We're not defending you know, these great altruistic organizations that always do the right thing for all of these clubs. And let's be honest, The gap between rich and poor in world football has gone on for 20, 30 years, and UEFA has done very little. The only thing they did was financial fair play, and essentially, that was a scam from the beginning, and it was untenable, and it wasn't enough, nearly enough if your goal was parity. That wasn't the goal. The goal was to try to stymie teams like PSG and City from spending money. That was the point of that, and they realized that it just wasn't going to work and it wasn't enforceable. And you don't hear anything about financial fair play anymore, do you? Not a thing. Nobody a cares thing. about it. Anymore no, anymore because they, because they, because they got because it, it's it was ridiculous from the beginning. So let's not pretend. Like UEFA is this great paragon of virtue that we're trying to defend the world order of football. I mean, the Champions League is only 25 years old. I mean, the European Championship is older, but it was a different kind of format. It wasn't sort of the Champions League format we have now. The format for the Champions League, it's not like this grand institution that's been around for 70 years. It's something that they created. You know why they created it? Why is that? To make money. That's why they made this model the way it is. They added more games. They made it into a group stage to allow more elite teams into it. They brought in the category of who could qualify for it. Why? To make money.
1: The answer to all questions is always money.
0: There are no sacred cows here, everybody. The question is, do you think that the way that these teams are going about it currently is the right way to do it and beneficial to the sport? That's the question you're asking. The idea of to try to say that the idea of the Super League is going to ruin football and the competitive balance is just absurd because there is no competitive balance. Yeah, Leicester might win one year and Monaco might win one year, but in the end, eight times out of ten, the top teams are going to win their leagues, mm-hmm. you know. There, you know, Leicester City's never winning the Champions League. Ajax is not going to win the Champions League, so this idea of parity is just sort of a—it's a smokescreen. There is no reality to that, and there never really has been.
1: Yeah, but I think, again, yeah, go ahead. But- no, I was just going to say that maybe the the compromise here is to have these teams sit at the table with UEFA, figure out maybe a better revenue share, maybe tweak the tournament slightly, you know, that way both sides get something that they want. I don't know if you need to blow the whole thing up, but it seems like I think we're going in that direction. I think this is going to happen.
0: Yeah, I disagree. I don't, I, I think you're going to get, I think UEFA is going to give more, even more concessions than they've already given. Because in reality, if, if PSG and Bayern decide to go with this, there's nothing Uefa can do no. at that point you know they don't have any leg like, to stand on at that point
1: so Uefa better give us some favorable calls in the semifinals for uh, PSG sticking around maybe this is this is well, what we need
0: well they're the only team of the four that hasn't signed up for this
1: i well then come on then i'll take some favorable calls um yeah, well, or,
0: they can just, or they can just hand us the title now.
1: <laughs> well, that, and that, to wrap up this topic, that's what I wanted to ask you. Repercussions. People are calling yeah. for points being docked in, in the Premier League and elsewhere in well, Champions yeah, League. Do you think, like, banning them from next season's tournament, if it comes out that these teams actually sign documents and actually have real intent to do this, do you think right this second, if that is proven, UEFA... In the governing bodies and the local leagues, that they should do something and penalize these teams immediately. What do you think?
0: Well, if I, if I were them, mm-hmm. yeah, I would. I would say that they can't play in I, their players can't play in European competitions. And if they really wanted to, to follow through with this, they would say that these teams are banned from their domestic competitions too. Oh, they could do real. that, and they could go to court, and they could make a long-term legal battle. I don't think either group wants any sort of long-term legal battle i really do feel like this is posturing because the world is not ready for the super league yet the super league is coming it's going to be a reality within the next 10 15 years but it's not the reality now and it doesn't make sense for either of these it doesn't make sense to do it now it doesn't make sense for these clubs to do it now actually and i i really do think that this is a bluff but that, yes, the Super League is a reality. It's going to happen eventually. But it's not something that I think either of these sides wants to have happen, you know, mm-hmm. in the near future. I, I, I can't I can't see how – you see what I, nobody's ready for it. Nobody <laughs> wants it.
1: Yeah. Um, and it also makes you think with Kylian Mbappe, if there is a Super League that kicks off, you know, and he's near the end of his contract, if he does sign an extension – what what's the incentive to go to Real Madrid to live in another country? You would be in a Super League playing against the same team, so why not just stay home and, and win? Like, I think that could well, play I, a I, part. This is
0: what I mean. I don't think this has been fully – I don't think that part has been fully thought out yet. And would you – again, who has to – you think about the mechanics of how transfers work. And who has to sign off on a transfer and how that how that whole business works. I'm not sure if if Real Madrid went to the Super League and UEFA punished them and their their own federation punished them, would they even legally be allowed to sign a player like Kylian Mbappe? Mm.
1: Would
0: mm-hmm. there be any league would they legally be allowed to do that? I don't know because Ooh. the LFP has to has to sign off on on transfers. Mm-hmm. The Sp- remember when when Neymar left for Barcelona They had PSG, to, the, the,
1: the briefcase of cash they had to deliver it to him.
0: They had to deliver it to the to the <laughs> Spanish Football Federation, right? Which right, had to, which had to sign off on the agreement. So I, I I'd be curious as to how that legally would work, and it would definitely blow up the model. And that's what I mean. If you had the domestic leagues involved with this, you could do it because then what you could do is say, Hey, we have a, you know, we have this new league and now we can, you know, have the domestic leagues funnel teams into our league. It's a, it's a, it's essentially new competition, right? so you could say all right we have these 15 clubs and then the top club that's you know from each league that's not involved gets invited every year you could do that with the agreement of the LFP and the, the, the this is what i'm saying it's not going to there's no super league that's happening next year it's not going to happen it's not going to happen next year and it's probably not going to happen the year after that because there's just too much bureaucratic stuff you have yeah. to go through to get there so i don't think this is something that we have to worry about right now I think this is something down the line that they can figure out, and I think we'll get figured out one way or the other. So I, I you know, it's it's not even it's not even really, yeah. Because what they're, they're not going to ban people until the league actually happens. So if, even if they announce this for 2024, I don't think UEFA is going to pull that trigger yet. I think they're going to try to. You know, there's a lot going on here. I think they're going to try to uh, bring everyone back into the fold. But it's just it is just a bit ridiculous that they thought that these clubs (laughs) thought that right now was the after after a pandemic and after a year without fans in the stands, they thought that this was the right, you know, the only reason it's the right timing is because they were going to sign off on the new Swiss model for the Champions League. That was that's, you know, that's the timing of all of this. That's the reason they're doing it now. But even though that's the way that the timing worked out, it couldn't have worked out any worse.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a big project. It's ambitious. I'm interested to see where the story goes, but you know, it's like a big ship stuck in the Suez Canal. Getting that whole the how football works, transfers, officials, everything we just talked about, getting that Turned around in a different direction is going to be quite the undertaking. So, we'll keep an eye on that story. Uh, but Mark, let's let's switch gears. Let's talk about the action on the pitch. Yeah, what, let's
0: do that. Why don't we? It's a fun week.
1: Yeah, why don't we just briefly? We'll go over the the Champions League. Let's let's just go there, and then we'll we'll wrap up with Saint Etienne. But let's talk Champions League. PSG are through. Uh, they get past Bayern Munich. They weren't favored. Um, Lewandowski wasn't there, but we didn't have uh, Marquinhos in the second leg, Verratti, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the last time we recorded, we talked about how we were cautiously optimistic about PSG's chances and, well, PSG advanced, And so we're in the semifinals, and I feel like we're seeing a new PSG. It's a forming of an actual team. Okay, we do rely on Mbappe and Neymar, but beating Bayern over two legs, um, it, it required a team effort. And I feel like this is a new PSG. Would you agree with that? Um,
0: a new PSG? Um, I'm more
1: team-oriented because we had players out, superstars out, Virati, Marquinhos, and Danilo stepped up, and Paredes, and whoever. I mean, we had players stepping up, and it's a team effort. We're not thin. We're not just superstar heavy. I, think, I feel like we have a really good team, and we're, we're stepping up in these big games as well. Yeah, I think there's something to that.
0: I, I think the the bigger thing that's happened here is that PSG have gained more years of experience, and I think that's absolutely been of benefit here in this in this circumstance. And they they have a team that works. They have a team that fits well together when their best when their best players are, are all healthy and all available, and they have their their stars out there. Right. You know, this is what they were building towards since 2017 when they made those uh, when they made those deals. That was this was the this was where everyone sort of expected it to go or hoped it would go. And it looked a little rough for the first couple of years. But now look at where PSG are. They have two straight Champions League semifinal appearances under their belt. You know, there's a decent enough chance they're going to go to two straight finals. And they're going to be favored if they get to that final against either of those two teams they would, they would play. So this is this is a, a, a moment where I think PSG are starting to get that vindication. I don't think people were poo-pooing what they did against Bayern Munich. Mm-hmm. That game was a Champions League match between two high-quality teams playing high-quality football.
1: That's what you'd get and in the Super League if, if Byron and PSG joined it. But you would get a lot more of that.
0: Well, you would get some of that. They would, you know, there'd be... got. I don't, well, yeah. <laughs> but its you looked at that game and it's like P, PSG were taken into some deep water. Byron didn't have all of their, their key weapons. But, heck, when was the last time PSG had all their never, key weapons? Never. Think about it this way. Yeah, Byron were missing Gnabry and Lewandowski. PSG didn't have their best midfielder for the entirety of the tie, Mm -hmm. and they lost their captain and center back for 150 of the 180 minutes.
1: Both starting fullbacks were out.
0: These are two teams that were wounded, and PSG were the team that were able to control the match. They played better than Bayern Munich on Tuesday, and they deserved to win that game. Neymar played probably his best Champions League game as a PSG player, hit the post twice but was dominant. Mbappe was great. And um, they played as well as they were going to play. And they were able to hold off a Bayern Munich team that had a lot of experience, that had years of being good in these kind of matches. And what it proved is that PSG are among that elite. There's no debate anymore. There's no conversation to be had. PSG, over the last two ties, have beaten Barcelona and Bayern Munich fairly handily.
1: And let's not forget they they were in the group of death. They fairly handily
0: beat Barcelona and went into a slugfest with Bayern Munich and came out on top. Scored three goals on the road in the snow, in in the the freaking snow, to beat Bayern Munich. The first time Bayern had been beaten at home in a Champions League match in two years. (laughs) Like, this is real. PSG... Have arrived, and if you didn't know that, now you know, yeah. because it's really hard to deny what PSG did in that game, and the depth of the squad showed. Danilo was able to play serviceable enough at center back. Adrisa Gay was awesome. Um, Leandro Paredes was awesome, and those are arguably not PSG's first two center back, first two midfielders. You could argue. Paredes probably, but Idrissa Gay would be behind Marco Verratti. And Idrissa Gay comes out there and maybe plays his best match as a PSG player.
1: Oh, absolutely. And
0: you get somebody like Colin Dagba, who I think a lot of people had written off, and he comes out and he plays his best game as a PSG player. And that's the difference between quality great teams and not quality great teams, is that you get those kind of big performances from the players you don't normally expect to get them from. That is the sign of a great team when, you know, yeah, you can have, you can be the 98 bulls and have Michael Jordan and Scotty Pippen, but then, you know, you get the, you get the contributions from people like Steve Kerr, Tony Kukoc, Dennis Rodman and Tony Kukoc. Yeah. That's what great teams do. They elevate the players around them. You have great players and then those great players are elevated by you know Those great players elevate the good players around them. And PSG have that right now. The, the players are benefiting from playing with each other. Everyone raises their game. Everyone gets better. And you take a team that you didn't think had the depth. Now all of a sudden they have depth. And you feel like they have depth. So I'm proud of the way they played, I think. I think any PSG fan should be proud of the way they played in that game, and now they put themselves in a really great position against a City team that I think they match up fairly well against
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: to be in the final. So you can't really ask for much more than that.
1: Wow. Well, let's let's talk about that since you mentioned them and people heard me bloviate about the Bayern Munich tie. But let's—I want to look ahead, City. Um it, it's already it's looking likely that they might not have Kevin and Brian. He went down this weekend, looked like an ankle injury, something like that. And they're thinking it could be out four weeks, something in, in that range. And that would take him away for both legs, I would imagine. And we already know that they don't really play with a striker. And so would you at this point, if uh, KDB cannot play for City, should PSG be the favorites in this tie?
0: Um. I think they should be the favorites, regardless of whether Kevin De Bruyne plays or not. But I think they'll be even more favorites, obviously, if he doesn't.
1: Yeah, and PSG are getting healthier. We're getting Marquinhos coming back, and some of our other players who were out with COVID. Um, so yeah, I kind of with you. I think I had looked, and I think the a lot of bookies, whatever source I was looking at, had it pretty level. Um, I think Pep Guardiola is going to be the X factor here. What does he come up with? Can he? out-tactic Pochettino; these two managers know each other from their time in the Premier League. This is this is a, another heavyweight battle. You talked about Barcelona, you talked about Bayern, and then we've got this one. And I mentioned earlier, you know, you look at the group of death that PSG had to come out with with Leipzig and Manchester United. So I mean, they have run the gauntlet here in the Champions League. Um, I think De Bruyne, if he's out for City, that's that's massive. I mean, some people have said uh, Gundogan can come in, and but he's just not at the level of De Bruyne. I mean, he he's probably in the top ten best players in the world and he's he's so dynamic and and creates a lot for them and he makes it possible for them to play a false nine and so um if he's not available I think PSG are the clear favorites to go through. Hopefully PSG don't suffer any major injuries. Let's, you know, knock on wood there. But this is gonna be end to end stuff, I think. It's the first game is going to be at the Parc de Prince, so PSG, you know, can't let in too many away goals. They saw what can happen against Bayern Munich. If you let in too many at home, it's going to make the job that much more difficult in the return leg. And they know they know what's on the line. They could go to an, a second straight Champions League final and face either Real Madrid or Chelsea, who I think they would also be favored against. So it's all there for them. They could win three yeah. trophies this year. It's all there for them.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's one of those weird years. They can win everything or they can win nothing. It's right. Just, it, it's they can win everything, or they can be relegated to the Europa League. Oh, like that's just that's how insane this is. This has been this year. Right. But um, no. I. But here's the thing about these kind of matchups: the Champions League. I don't know how much longer we can say the Champions League, and not just say major European football or the, the key for Super League football. But you know, the basic idea <laughs> of, of big European matches is, is that usually talent wins. Eight times, nine times out of ten, the talent usually wins. And if you looked at a, a list of these of these two teams' players, and you said who had the, who has the top five players in this matchup, I would say PSG probably have four of the five. I would say Neymar Mbappe, Marquinhos in Navas, and then City have De Bruyne. Now, if De Bruyne is out, PSG will have five of the five of the, probably five of the best five players. Add Marco Verratti there. That's hard to overcome if you're Manchester City. And this is a matchup basically of two coaching philosophies. Well, two uh, structural philosophies of how to build a team.
1: That's a good point, yeah.
0: PSG build a team through the stars, meaning you get three or four really all-world players, and then you have role players around them that elevate their game because of the greatness of the stars. That's basically the Chicago Bulls model in the 90s, or the... Um, Golden State Warriors, yeah, the Warriors or the Miami Heat. That 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 it's sort of the basketball model.
1: Los Angeles Dodgers, they have a lot of stars. If you're a baseball fan, yeah,
0: it's a little. Di- I think baseball isn't quite the analogous because it's it's a little different. But I sure, it's yeah. the basketball model, right? PSG going going by the basketball model, and Manchester City is more the football model, the American football model, meaning. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily need the stars, but you want a really well-rounded team with a bunch of guys who can, you know, play to a style, and that's really what City have. They have a bunch of very good players, pretty much one through fifteen. Yeah, they have are all very good. There's no uh, bum among those players. They're all solid and they all play the Pep Guardiola way.
1: Yeah, they, they, they were selected because up. they can play his style of football. He's been there long enough where he's been able to pick his players so all of these guys can play his method, You know, the, the quick passing, the, the constant pressing. Um, so yeah, all these players, not only are they world-class, maybe even a couple of maybe a step down, but they're all really solid players who also fit into his model perfectly.
0: Exactly. And it's two very different philosophies. And, the, and these teams basically started their projects around the same time. And the question is, which style is the way to go? How do you build from the ground up, which both of these teams had to do? And City started very early on sort of with the PSG model, the, you know, Yaya Torre mm, right, yeah. sort, of, sort of model, getting those kind of players. But then they shifted once they got Pep and they changed the style. And you got to give Manchester City a lot of credit. They have figured out a way to dominate the Premier League. They're the best team by far and away in that league. No doubt. They are Mm -hmm. most consistently good, and they've done it year after year after year. And they should get credit for that. I don't think their style fits well with modern European football winning major European competitions. I just – I don't see that. I don't – there's a reason Pep Guardiola is never really going to be a national team manager.
1: And he did it at Barcelona, just, but he had a star, Messi. So Messi could go out and either create or score a goal when they absolutely needed it. Yeah, and that's but, what PSG – have. you have to have a star who could just go get you a bucket, go get you a goal, you know?
0: No, you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. And that's that's what I would be betting on if I were betting this tie. I would say PSG have more better athletes – that can pressure Manchester city. I don't think city are going to be able to just sort of freely ping the ball around.
1: Mm-hmm. And I
0: think PSG have the talent to get three or four or five goals against the city team. And you saw that Dortmund gave them problems.
1: Yeah, I they, mean, if they don't yeah. call
0: that sort of questionable penalty against uh, Emery, it was, it may have been Emery Chan. Yeah. But if they don't call that kind of questionable handball in the 57th minute of that game, of that second leg, that game might go deeper. And, and don't forget might...
1: the the first leg, too, where Dortmund didn't get two goals that they should have been awarded.
0: Yes. So if a team like Dortmund are going to give City problems, I think a team like PSG are going to definitely yeah. give Manchester City problems.
1: PSG are like Dortmund on steroids.
0: Yeah, and if you take out De Bruyne, that, that even makes yeah. it harder. That makes it like, that puts the, you know, it makes... It makes uh, city have to be perfect. And we, we real and quick while
1: we're talking city, can we just pump the brakes on the Phil Foden stuff? Like, it's just uh, come on, it's like the Erling Alon thing all over again. Like the guy hasn't done anything. He's he's a fine player, but don't tell me he's in the same conversation as Mbappe. Just stop. Okay, go ahead with your point.
0: Alright, yeah, I, I thought that went without saying. Yeah. All
1: right. No, I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter where people are hyping this guy up as like he's Mbappe level. It's like yeah. Marcus Rashford. It's like every year we have the a new name comes in. It's like, stop, no one is Mbappe right now. He's on a different planet.
0: And I, I'll just, uh, I'm looking at Twitter and, and Boris Johnson, the United Kingdom <laughs> uh, uh, prime minister, just went out against the, the Super League again. I don't think this is going to happen. I don't think they can go against... um, I don't think they can keep going against entire countries with this. But anywho, um, I I like this matchup. It's going to be fun. I think the games are going to be fun. I I wouldn't call it a final level because I I think Real Madrid would give PSG some problems in a final. And and obviously Chelsea would be super motivated for reasons (laughs) that I can't quite explain at the moment well
1: speaking speaking of tuchel he just showed the model on how to beat manchester city what was that the semi-final of whatever mickey mouse cup in england but he just showed how to do it
0: we know the model the model is not hard you defend well you pressure them and then you counter them it's not hard it's like it's not hard to, to you know like these league on teams have figured out how to score goals against PSG. It's not hard. It's just executing. It's what you do on any given day to execute.
1: It sounds a little bit like how PSG just beat Bayern Munich or put three away at the Allianz. It's just you know defend well, yeah, hit them on the counter, and execute.
0: Yeah, even without Lewandowski, Bayern had better athletes than PSG, than that city do. Yeah. I think there's going to be an athlete problem here for City. I do. I don't think they have the level of athlete that PSG do. I just I think even somebody like Idrissa Gay, like they don't have an Idrissa Gay. Mm-hmm. They don't have a um. They don't have a Kylian Mbappe. They don't have a Neymar. They don't have a Presnel Kimpembe. They don't have that kind of athlete on their roster. So I I do think that's going to be a problem for yeah. them. Yeah. And. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess we may not do a show before then. So if I, I had to do a prediction, I only like to predict the first leg. I don't want to predict <laughs> sure, out sure. both legs. I think this is going to be something like three-one PSG. I think it's going to be around that range. I think PSG are going to. I, I think they're they're finding their momentum at exactly the right time. And City haven't really been tested in this Champions League uh, yet. Easy group. Easy mm-hmm. round of 16 game. Pretty straightforward uh, quarterfinal. PSG are battle tested. They're getting healthy at the right time. City aren't quite healthy. De Bruyne may or may not make that first leg. I think it might be a situation where he misses the first and makes the second leg.
1: It's going to um, be tight.
0: It's going to be tight. So.
1: It, it does seem like Manchester City, now that they're out of. The, the cup that i mentioned earlier i don't even mean, what it's the FA cup they the FA cup yeah they're kind of like coasting they've kind of have the league already wrapped up and yeah. they're they're kind of like flatlining whereas PSG are on the upswing they're getting healthy they're battle tested they're coming off this huge emotional win against Saint-Étienne which we'll talk about in a second and and beating Bayern Munich and it seems like Neymar is going to probably sign a contract extension right before the city tie so it's like PSG are on the ascent and doing well and getting healthy and then manchester city are just kind of like there's i think it's going to be hard for pep to to get them up for this one I, they've just been kind of on cruise control for a little bit here so it that's going to be interesting i don't know about three one i can see maybe a two nil for psg i i just i think city are going to have difficulty scoring goals
0: yeah i, I do i think they are going to have a problem with that and I, that, that's I, a big problem in the champions that's League. An <laughs> problem i think that i think the guy that could make the difference for them is Raheem Sterling.
1: Yeah. If Sterling's
0: playing well, I think he could steal a goal or two on the road. Um, if De Bruyne is in there, he's not going to be all that healthy. But De Bruyne can pick out a pass. He can shoot it from outside. They have ways they can beat you.
1: Mahrez, too. He could be dangerous on the wing.
0: He can be dangerous. But, again, it's not anything PSG haven't faced already in this, in this competition. I mean, they yeah. took... You look at, I mean, you look at that first half against Barcelona in the second leg. Barcelona right now oh, may be the hottest team in Europe. Right. And ESG took Barcelona's best shot and 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 stood firm. And
1: only letting in what Bayern's was the one goal.
0: Best, yeah, they took Bayern's best shot in the sec, in, in the first leg of their tie, and they held on. So this is, the, you know, again, City can win this thing. I, I'd say right now it's probably sixty-five, thirty-five PSG, but you know this is this is a, a golden opportunity, and I think those players know now that it's all in front of them, and it's time yeah. for them to take this. It's time.
1: It's time, we'll time for
0: them. To, it's time for them to do it. It's th- okay. this is their time to do it.
1: God, I just and I get so I- excited thinking about a Champions League and a, a league on title, just win everything and. Boy, it would just be a special season. It'd be unbelievable. It's all right there for us. It is. Um, all right. We got about 10 minutes left. Let's talk about the match today. Uh, the highlights really uh, started after the 75th minute. That's when things really started getting exciting. Um, PSG snatched victory away from the jaws of defeat. All the action, like I said, after the 75th minute, you had Kylian Mbappe recorded a brace and thought he had secured the three points for PSG until a stoppage time goal from Levert uh, drew the game level. And with just seconds remaining in stoppage time, it was Mauro Cardi, who we kind of all forgot about, still plays for PSG. He got on the end of a cross and headed home PSG's third goal to move Leprissian within one point of Lille, who drew on Friday. Um, Mark... A little bit shaky at the back, but you got to give it to PSG battling back. I mean, the, the look, title could look, have been gone if they didn't get that goal from McCarty.
0: Look, I, I do not expect at 7, 8 o'clock in the morning to be that emotionally invested in something. But <laughs> was so I was early. emotionally invested in that game. That game was exhausting. And the, the, the fact that PSG played that whole game were – trying to break through since Etienne couldn't do it it just felt like every league on game this year where PSG just they didn't they couldn't feel the full squad a lot of rotation the players just didn't look like they had that ability to finish you look at a player like Pablo Sarabia you need to see better from him you need to see better from uh Um, Moise Keane in that in that situation.
1: Herrera was a responsible. I thought Herrera was great. Well, just late in the game I thought he he had a couple errors and and Kempembe, especially on that one the first goal I think for St. Etienne, he was a little bit slow to react there. So the defense Yeah,
0: yeah, it wasn't great. No, it wasn't great at all. I'm not claiming well But this is what happens in this league. It's a tough league to win It's a tough league to play in week in and week out because there's these teams just play these low blocks they're big, physical, strong. They defend well. They attack the ball. And then they hit you on these counters. And it looked like once that goal went in for one nothing, it seemed like PSG were done. I didn't think they were going to come back at yeah. all.
1: No, I didn't. Because
0: they hadn't done it all year. They, they had not been able to, to do it. All. And then it was just that one ball from Herrera. And that's what PSG have to be able to do. That's how they break these low blocks down. You have to play that one ball from midfield. And what a to touch from Mbappe. Oh yeah, but that's how they have to do it. You have to play. You can't pick the lock. These teams are too physical. They're too strong. They're too fast. They're too good at that. They're too good athletically to pick the lock against. You know, make those multiple ping, ping, ping passes and just find that perfect ball. It's hard to do that. You got to play those balls over the top like that. And that was a beautiful ball from Herrera. Great touch by Mbappe. Buries it in pretty much what 15 20 seconds after the, the Etienne goal, yeah,
1: yeah, so it was one uh, more. Mm-hmm.
0: And then they bring on Di Maria before that, they bring on Di Maria and uh, Icardi and uh, Verratti because uh, Keen wasn't getting it done,
1: yeah, it was a um, triple sub, very triple rare, sub.
0: yeah. Rafinha was you know, usually Rafinha is pretty good. I thought Rafinha just slowed everything down today. I didn't think he was decisive enough, but there's a reason he doesn't play a lot in the Champions League is because he just doesn't move the ball fast enough. Yeah. A lot of it just sticks at his feet. I think that's sort of his problem and why he didn't sort of go further at Barcelona than maybe his talent would have suggested. I think a lot of times he's just sort of dribbling, dribbling, dribbling and not taking advantage of the opportunities to move the ball. So you brought Verratti in. He moved the ball faster. Di Maria gets that ball to Mbappe, gets a nice little touch, draws a foul in the box on um, the aptly named Etienne Green. I was going to say,
1: is there a player ever, like, been better named to play for a team than Etienne Green for St. Etienne?
0: Yeah. I mean, unless you had a guy named German Paris, which is possible.
1: <laughs> it's going to be my next it's, child named Germain Paris.
0: Paris. <laughs>
1: That's yes. actually not a bad name. Okay, right, go ahead.
0: But no, yeah, Etienne Green, yeah, the, you can't have a better named player to play for. <laughs>
1: He's got a lifetime contract. Yes, but it's
0: some. It, it sounds like something you would name the mascot,
1: right? <laughs> no, he he was. Um, I, I thought the he visit, wasn't half bad. He wasn't half bad. But, um, Mbappe, you know, after that penalty in the eighty seventh minute, we we thought you saw the celebration. And he said after the game, yeah. people think winning league on is is easy for us, but it's not. It's hard, and it means a lot to yeah. us, and I, was, I felt like that was a little shot at Jamie Carragher there. Um.
0: And, and, and then, yeah, and then Sergio Rico pulls an Alphonse Arriola. Basically what he did there, he pulled an Alphonse Sarriola, yeah. meaning, yeah. He, he, you know, it's when you, that's when you make all the great impossible saves, you know, stand on your head, do a backflip, and kick the ball away, but then the ball that comes right at you, you just make a mistake on. And I, I think Sergio Rico has been good for PSG as a backup. I don't think he's been terrible. I think he's the right kind of guy to have, as, especially when you have Kaylor Navas for most of the time, a guy that's not going to play a lot that you can bring in there and he's not going to totally screw up with. yeah, He totally screwed up there. And that's he loves being there.
1: To... I don't know if you remember after the Bayern game, he was one of the guys on the table, like dancing and throwing water around. So he, he loves being there apparently. Looks like you know, it anyway.
0: He, he's a good he is a solid backup when you have someone like Kaylar Navis who rarely doesn't play. You know, that's what that's what you need. That's the kind of guy you need in that situation. You don't want someone who's better than your your starter or that's gonna compete with that's a position you don't want competition at. For sure. You yeah. want you want competition all around the, the field, you do not want competition at goalie. Because that means one guy isn't clearly good enough to be the everyday starter, and, and
1: that's what we had so, with Kevin Trap and Ariel and a few others, you know, in Buffon yeah, you, when he was here. You
0: don't want you don't want that. You do not want competition at that position. You want a guy that takes that position and makes it his own. So you know, here we go. We're in a spot now where um, he parries the ball and Hamuma bundles it in. <laughs> and now you're thinking, oh, all that, all that work. And, mm-hmm. and think about it: if they had, lo- if they had drawn that game, right now, Leon are up two nothing over Nantes, who are terrible.
1: Yeah.
0: So the standings would be, Lille at seventy, Monaco at sixty-eight, mm-hmm. ESG at sixty-seven, and Leon at sixty-seven. And, that's where we'd be right now.
1: And that's my next question to you: as we get ready to wrap up here, are you more concerned with Lille or Monaco, who beat Bordeaux three 0 today?
0: I'm always concerned about the team that's ahead of me, as opposed to the team that's behind me. That's just the way I look at it. And you know, I I make that point to go. You know, PSG really, really could not afford to lose that game. Yeah. And Di Maria almost scores an Olympico on the from the corner, and then he just took he took that last three minutes over. He just took it over, and that ball to. Icardi was tremendous, right on a, right on a, you know, right on a fucking rope. Just put that ball right at his head and Icardi, you know, that's why PSG signed him. That's the reason he's been hurt so much that you forget that that's what he brings to PSG. He brings that, he brings that ability to just, he's a great old classic nine like, he's not more than that. He's a great old classic nine. And he just sort of drifts back, finds the spot, and then a nice little header. He doesn't try to overpower it. He doesn't try to do anything ridiculous with it. Just a nice little easy deflection just to get it right where it needed to go. Just to, just to put it on net. And that's, what, that's his value. And I think having him healthy gives you that for a Champions League semifinal. I don't. Sh- I don't think great he option. should. I don't think he should start because I think you want someone a little more industrious over the course of a hundred. Over the course of the first, you know, seventy minutes of a game. But the fact that you could bring that guy on, he could have six touches the whole time he's out there, but he has mm-hmm. the, the one important touch. Like that's the big city City
1: probably wish they had them. That's for sure. They would take them. Um, I think they would. I'm just looking at this table. I mean, it is incredible. I mean, you've got Leon who could potentially miss out on champions league football. Monaco could maybe get to the qualifying stage of the champions league. Leo, obviously they're probably going to be in the champions league. And then you have Launce in fifth, they could be in Europa league. I mean, the, it's going to be a lot of jockeying for position. It's going to be exciting to see how this uh, final league on table shakes out. Hopefully yeah, PSG I mean, at the top. The,
0: the, the good news for PSG is that they have the easiest of the four schedules.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because Lille Leo probably- and Leon still have to play against each other. That's the big one.
0: Yes. And again, one of those teams is going to drop points. Maybe both of them drop points, which yeah. is, I think, what PSG would prefer.
1: Yeah, nice. And then Monaco nice
0: still has... Monaco still has a tough look at Monaco's schedule. I I, yeah. I feel like they have to play Lille or, or Lyon still.
1: Yeah, I'm pulling it up here. Looks like um, they got the French Cup quarterfinal on Wednesday. But if you're looking at Lyon, they've got Angers on April 25th, Monaco Lyon on May 2nd. That's a big one. Yep.
0: So there's so they they Lyon still has to play both of those two teams. They all basically still have to play each other. So that's you know that's a big deal for PSG and PSG's toughest game remaining is Lens at home.
1: Yeah, so yeah, that'll be. If
0: you're looking at it scheduling wise, you know PSG are in a pretty decent position. Now the question is, you have a a a, an F, a, a, a Coupe de France match on Wednesday. Do you dare play anyone in that game? I I, I don't know if you want to play anyone in that hmm. game. I'm I'm very reluctant to to you know put Mbappe out there. Very reluctant to put Neymar out there. But you
1: still have you have Mets um, on April twenty fourth. So you've got two games: the French Cup quarterfinal and then match week thirty four before City. So you've got two games. I would say you'd probably want to play Mbappe and Neymar in one of those just to keep them. You know. Yeah, but you safe. want to
0: play them in the league. The league one's more important. That's,
1: absolutely, winning, absolutely. Winning the Coupe de France. Absolutely. I mean, if you have
0: to sacrifice one of them, you know, you're clearly sat. You know, yeah. You know, if if we're playing F. Mary kill with the uh, with the <laughs> with the three competitions. I mean, you're clearly killing the Coupe de France.
1: Uh, Start DiCardi, He scored a goal. Put him in there. Put Moise You know, Sarabia. You you could. I mean, on defense, you really don't. Center back. We don't have a ton of depth there. I don't think you want to play Marquinhos at this point. Maybe save him for Mets just to give him a few minutes to make sure yeah, he's but, ready to go. Hell, but
0: I'd put fucking Pembele out there before you yeah. know actually trying to risk a uh, you know risk Kimpembe in a game like that. But we say there's this, no, but it never there's, happens. There's, there's no reason right now to 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 go all out for the Coupe de France. There's just no reason for it.
1: I know. There's
0: but... no benefit to it. You don't get anything by winning that competition.
1: It's at all. Yeah, it's a trophy, and we always say this, and it makes sense. I agree with you, but you know, the club's just not going to do that. They're going to put. The, I know the, they're the not going to yeah. do
0: that, but it doesn't mean I can't. You know, it doesn't mean I can't bang the table for yeah. it. It's like, why, why risk getting guys hurt now? Right. It's you know what? If you get through that that game, it's not like Angers are this great team. I mean, really, it's not like yeah. Angers are this great team that you have to throw all your bodies at. It's yeah. Not like you're playing Real or or Monaco or or Lyon. And, and, and if you make it, if you make it to a semifinal, then by that point you're either out of the Champions League or you're in the final, and you could probably play your guys at that point because you you'd have three four weeks to go.
1: Angers so it, currently twelfth in the table.
0: Yeah, again, why are why are we throwing out our best people to play Angers? Like there's no reason for it. it. I I just I can't. I are so close. I just can't imagine them playing Mbappe and him just pulling his hamstring in a Coupe de France game. Oh. It just it would it, it just you, you couldn't you couldn't even buy that. There's no.
1: I mean that's what happened with Neymar earlier this season ahead of the Barcelona tie. You know it went it, down in a coupe de france match it's just unfortunate so hopefully we can be smart and and let the kids play javi simons you know let's let's get them out there let's get the kids out there pembele we've got some some nice up-and-coming talent let's get them some minutes so man mark we we are up at an hour here a little over actually what a show super league champions league and league on we covered it all how can people find you on twitter if they want to interact with you
0: well, um, as long as we've answered all of the burning questions from our listeners, I, I would say they can find me at Mark Damon 9 if there's anything we didn't cover.
1: I think we covered it all. And you can find me, as always, I am at PSG Talk. We are going to go live tomorrow, Monday, April 19th, um, on the official Twitch channel for Paris Saint-Germain. We've got a couple of your favorite PSG Talk contributors. Mark, we got to get you on a show, but you're not going to join us tomorrow. But we'll get you on one of these coming up. Um, But we'll have a few contributors coming on to talk about a lot of things we just talked about here, but we'll get their insight on it. So that should be fun and exciting. It's always a little scary going live. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, all of our podcasts, read our articles, psgtalk.com, all that good stuff. Thank you, as always, for listening, and we'll catch you next time.
0: Au revoir for now.